So you just stay there. I'm going to just read a few more passages of Scripture out of the Old Testament, just prophecy speaking to the New Testament. Amen. Y'all just keep praying. You're not bothering me. I just feel led of the Lord this morning that God wants to encourage someone. Amen. And so I want to read to you out of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And it says this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Thank God. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Then the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Can you say amen? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. I shared this on Wednesday night, and I just want to reread it this morning. Amen for the direction that we're going. And my prayer is today that we all would leave encouraged in Jesus. Isaiah 53, verse 2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now turn with me to Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrath, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Is that not just prophetic for what God said that he would bring forth out of Bethlehem? All the way from the book of Isaiah, now we're seeing here Micah, and now turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. 
We could go on and on and on. We could read Hosea 11.1. 1. We could read Je- Jeremiah 23.5 and 6. You can read Numbers 24.17. We could go on and on and on and read in the Old Testament of prophecy that points to Christ. Amen. I was confronted last week because I dealt with somebody about honor, and I was told this, that I needed to get to the New Testament if I was going to hold somebody accountable. And I said, well, as far as I know, everything from beginning to end points to Jesus. If I can't look to the old and see Christ, then I'm missing the whole Word of God. Amen. There's two people you should see in the Word of God, and that is Jesus and yourself. And Jesus is always dealing with me. Amen. He'll always deal with me. He'll always deal with you through the Word of God. The Word of God is all that we have. Amen. So I could go on and on and on reading to you prophecy about the birth of Christ, but I believe that God desires to just so that we know that Isaiah saw it, Micah saw it, The men of old, they knew that this Christ was to be born, that he would be ruler of Israel, amen? And so now it is our responsibility to know that Christ was born for you and I. He was born to die, amen? He was born to die for you and I. We read in Isaiah chapter 7, We read that he would come and be born of a virgin. We read in Isaiah 9. And then we jumped over to Isaiah chapter 53. One prophesying of his birth, the other even of his death in Isaiah 53. Amen. Man, you see the whole prophecy in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, by the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, through prophecy, began to prophesy and speak these things under the influence of God. Amen. You know, even the Holy Spirit came upon them. Amen. In the old, there were Old Testament people that were under the influence, amen, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Word of God says that Samson was under the influence of the Holy Spirit at times in his life. There was a man in the Word of God by the name of Jephthah. Maybe, I don't know if you know much about about Jephthah, but Jephthah was a man that at times he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God speaks of Joshua and Caleb, and it said there was something different about them two men. What was different about them two men? The Spirit that was in them. Amen. They were men under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They had to to stand against the other ten spies. Amen. You don't just stand alone without some influence greater than yourself. Amen. And so Isaiah is prophesying not only the birth, but also the death of Jesus. Amen. And so here we are. We look to the New Testament, and we see Matthew now is recording the genealogy of Jesus. I'm not going to just keep you here all day and just discuss the genealogy of Jesus, but I do want to read verse 1. And it says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, you could just really stop right there and just say, that's enough. Amen? That's enough. But let's just jump down just a little bit to verse 3. And Judah begat Perez, Perez and Zerah of Tamar. And Perez begat Eshram, and Eshram begat Aram. Jump with me down to verse 5. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed 
begat Jesse. Isn't that just beautiful? Amen. That's we're, we're, we're looking at women that are in the lineage of Jesus. Amen. And then you, you, you see where the word of God, verse 6, And Jesse begat David, the king of David, the king, and David, the king, begat Solomon, of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Amen. And now you see, so we've, we, we have looked here, and we see Tamar. Amen. That's one woman. Then you see Ruth. Amen. That's two women. You see Rahab. That's three women. Now you see her that had been the wife of Uriah. Do you know who that is? Bathsheba. Now you see four. Now turn with me, if you will, to verse 16, and it says this. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. You see the fifth woman in the lineage of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray today that grace would abound the much more. Despite dry ground, despite our circumstances and our situations or the conditions that are around us, when Jesus is to be born, he shall be born. And Lord, I just thank you today for your word that we can draw strength from it. And I pray today that you would give great revelation and grace through the preaching of your word. God, I pray for an anointing that breaks yokes. I pray, God, that you would anoint every ear and heart to receive the word of the Lord. I pray for the children in the back this morning and every teacher that would invest in their life this morning, God. Let the anointing fall upon their lives and use them greatly. God, help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I just titled this today, Will Christ Be Born and Live Within You? Jesus will always find a place to be born. No matter if they said that there's no room for him in the inn, well then let's just go to a manger because Jesus will be born. Jesus will find a life to be born in. He's going to find somebody. You may shut him out and you may be the place that said, I don't have room for you. Well, let me tell you what Jesus will do. He'll find somebody to do what you were unwilling to do. Jesus will find a vessel to be born in. And I'm thank God that, you know what, I don't know why Jesus came and found this vessel, but I was the dirty, rotten manger, amen. My heart was the dirty, rotten, black, dark, dirty, stinky cave. I don't know how many people Jesus might have passed by the end that said, I don't have room for you, but I thank God when he found me September 19th of 03, amen. I thank God that he came to me and I said, God, I need you, amen. And I was just that dirty, dark manger that said, Jesus, 
Jesus, come live in me. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ will find some vessel where he can be born in and not only be born in, but he'll find a way to live in that life. I promise you that no matter the conditions that surround Jesus, he will be born. Amen. The conditions that surrounded his birth were not just conditions that none of us would desire for our child to be born in. The conditions that Jesus was born in, a lot of us probably would have got angry, got mad, and said, my child will not be born there. I guarantee you, you're going to stick up for that baby. But there's a God in heaven that knows everything from above. Amen. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Let me tell you, Jesus will find a place and a way to be born in somebody's life. Amen. If you want to be the end that has shut the door, then you go right on ahead and do that. But I choose this day to allow Jesus to be born in this manger and to live throughout this life. Whatever way he's got to do it, wherever he desires to take it, God have your way. So my question to you is today, will you allow, will I allow, will we allow Christ to be born and live in us? He's going to find a place to live. He is. The conditions were not great. The circumstances that took them there were against them. But Jesus still was born. Let me tell you, I don't care what conditions your life is in this morning, Jesus will still be born. I don't care the circumstances that drove you to church this morning, Jesus will still be born. He's not afraid of the circumstance that got you here. He's not afraid of the conditions that are around your life. We read it in Isaiah 53 too. He shall grow up, amen, out of what ground? Out of a dry ground. He's not concerned with the conditions of your life. What he's concerned about is will you let him be born in you? They were not concerned with the conditions of the dirty manger, what it smelled like, what it looked like, where it was. They didn't stop and beg to go in the inn. All right, you don't have room for me. That's fine. I'm going to find somewhere to be born. I'm going to find somewhere to live. Amen. Jesus is not concerned with the conditions. He's concerned, will you allow me to be born? Because I know when I live, I'll change the conditions that are around you. I know if I'll be born, the conditions of everything is about to change. You see, the conditions was one even of evil because Herod said, let me go there and worship him. Not everybody desires to worship. Some people desire to destroy. Some people desire to kill. Let me t- you got to be very careful just because Herod may be next to you and say, I want to worship that God. You better be very careful because their desire is to kill the king, not worship the king. Not everybody truly wants to worship that tells you that they do. Amen. Churches are full of Herods. They're just there to kill the king. They're not there to worship. They're really not. And so we must be wise. Amen. And so there are five women in the lineage of Jesus. And so here's what I desire to do. Listen to me. When a Jewish genealogy is recorded, women are seldom, if ever, listed. This is clear in the Old Testament. As when sons are born, their genealogy is listed through the father's line and seldom's the mother's. Thus we read that in the first ten generations from Adam to Noah, the father begat the son. We, we see the same father-son pattern in the New Testament where men are listed as the son of, followed by the father's name. For example, 
Simon Peter is Simon the son of Jonas. And Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus. Matthew breaks this father lineage only. This father only lineage, custom by listing five women. I love whenever Jesus was even born, he broke the rules. He broke the rules of everything that was set in place. Now, am I, am I telling you to go break the rules? No, I'm telling you Jesus said grace is going to break what the law set in order. Because Jesus said, I'm going to be born. I'm going to be born. And guess what? I'm going to be born, and the lineage that I'm going to be born of is going to come through some messed up people. It's going to come through some messed up people. It's going to come through people whose circumstances were not ideal. It's going to come through people whose conditions did not line up with what everybody else's conditions maybe that think that religious people's conditions should line up to be. I wonder why there happens to be five women in the lineage of Jesus. What does the number five mean? It means grace. And at the end of that, we got to verse 16, and we see that Mary begat Jesus. Amen. It had to be grace that the Holy Ghost would come upon a woman and that Joseph, her husband did not leave her and betray her but instead when the word of the angel came to him he said you better stay amen I'm thankful that grace comes and said don't you leave now hallelujah he shall be born amen despite the conditions and the circumstances Christ will be born we see here the first woman that is mentioned here is a woman by the name of Tamar I just love this story. I'm so intrigued by this story. And you know the story, if you read, I believe it's in Genesis chapter 28, 38, verses 12 through 30. We don't have time to get there and read it all today, but I'll just kind of sum it up the best that I know how. So Judah means praise, amen? Judah means praise. Something's always trying to affect our praise, isn't it? Well, Judah has sons, and Judah says, I'm going to give Tamar my son. Well, the first son that Judah had, anybody know what his name was? Er. And Er was a wicked man. And so Er died. And so there was a second son that Judah had. His name was Onan. But Onan was to go into Tamar and was to have children, but Onan was not going to get the recognition. He was going to be a type of a kinsman redeemer. And so Onan got mad, and he said, I'm not doing that. And so Onan wasted what God had put in him, and whenever he wasted what God had put in him and what God told him to do, now Onan is dead. And now you have Judah, and you have this woman named Tamar who her circumstances of life left her very bitter. You know what? There's something about this time of year supposed to be the most joyous time of the year, but can I tell you what it brings out in a lot of people? The bitterness. It comes to be the most bitter times of year for many people. And here's what we can do. Jesus is desiring to be born, and we are to be worshiping Jesus, but instead, I've grown bitter like Tamar. And now, what did Judah say? Go to your father's house. Go put on your widow's garments. Because now that's all that you'll be. Well, here's tomorrow. She's very bitter. She's angry. She's frustrated because Judah has made another promise. Well, I'll give you the third son. Well, guess what? Judah said, I don't want to lose nobody else. 
So now Tamar is empty. Tamar is broken. And Tamar is bitter. So she's thinking in her mind, now she's playing this game. And now Judah's got to go take care of some business. Old Tamar says, I'm fixing to get Judah. And so she takes off her widow garments and she puts on the garments of a harlot. And here comes old praise. You think the enemy don't want your praise. Here comes old praise walking to deal with his everyday business. Well, here comes Tamar. She's got on the clothes of a harlot. She's got her face covered. And Judah sees her and she catches his eye. Well, can I tell you what praise does? Old Judah went right into Tamar. Why was she doing that? I can tell you why. She was bitter. She was broken. She was empty. There was promises that had been made to her life that were not kept. And here she is. She felt forgotten. I wonder how many of us are here today. You feel forgotten. You feel forsaken. You've grown bitter. You've grown cold. You've grown angry. And you've started fixing yourself up like somebody that you're not even. She was not a prostitute. She was to be wearing widow's clothes. But instead, she's making herself and disguising herself to be something that she's not. Can I tell you, whenever we get bitter, church, do we not become something that we're really not on the inside of our life? You mean that this woman that was bitter, that was broken, that was angry, that was dressed herself up as a prostitute, you mean to tell me that she's going to be the first woman that is named and mentioned in the lineage of the birth of Christ? She represents a type of bitter people because Judah tricked her. She was bitter with life circumstances. I wonder how many of us here today are bitter with life circumstances. Jesus can still be born. Jesus can still be born through your life. He desires to bring healing. Here's the good thing. Judah went in unto her, and she became pregnant with two babies, Perez and Zerah. And it's just a beautiful picture of the grace of God, that God will even take up our most messed up circumstances and situations and still use them. Aren't you thankful for that? Because many of us begin to make decisions when we're bitter and when we're angry and when we're broken. A lot of us make bad decisions. How many of you can say amen to that? Whenever I'm bitter, I want to make a decision to make me feel better. But the only thing to make you feel better is not to do something out of the will of God. It is to get broken before God and ask God to heal your bitterness. A lot of us make a lot bigger messes whenever we're bitter. Instead of getting better, we get more bitter. But I thank God that God told me to come by today and tell you that God can make things better and he can heal your bitterness if that's what you desire. God used a bitter woman's life in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He will be born. Hear me. He will be born. And he can even be born out of your bitterness if you'll allow God to heal it. Tamar gave birth to two sons. While they were in her mother's womb, the baby Zerah put his hand out first, and the midwife took a scarlet cord and wrapped it around that baby's wrist. But then something happened on the inside of that mother's womb. There's a little baby that his name was Perez, which means breaking forth. My God. 
His name means to break forth. That child's on the inside of that mother's womb and said, I may be here by messed up circumstances. I may be here by different conditions that don't line up with the rest of the world. I may be here by some crazy things that happen in my life, but you know what? I'm not going to be identified by those things. I'm not going to allow my conditions to identify who I am and what I'm about to do. And so I could just see that little baby on the inside. Zara may have stuck that hand out, but Perez said, I'm not done yet. The Bible said that Perez broke through around that other baby, and that's why you have the name Perez, and Perez is all also in the lineage of Jesus Christ. His name means breakthrough. You may be here today and you may be cold. You may be bitter. You may be angry at the circumstances that life has dealt with you. Let me just say this. It's time to grow up, church. Life is just tough at times. The conditions and the circumstances of life many times aren't always for us. As a matter of fact, John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but Take heart. I've overcome the world. We got to grow up and get spiritual eyes about us like that baby in the womb had. The conditions of my life might not have been right. The circumstances may have been wrong, but Perez made up his mind. Even in the womb, I'm going to break through. I'm going to have victory in my life. Now hear me. I can look on some of your faces. You're bitter this morning. I see bitterness. I do. There's bitterness all in this house. You've got to make up your mind today. Are you going to break through or are you going to stay bitter? Let me tell you, the most dangerous people to be around are bitter people. The most dangerous people to be around are bitter people because they don't care about you. They don't care about your family. They don't care about the church, and they don't care about Jesus. Only thing that bitter people care about is themselves. That's why you're bitter. Because bitter people are the most selfish people. If there's something to get you out of bitterness, look to him. But the reason you don't want to look to him is because you want to hold on to the right to be bitter. Bitter people don't get anywhere in life. The people, when they came to the bitter waters of Merah, they wanted to stay bitter. God told Moses, you see that tree? You see the cross? Get your eyes off them people. Look to the cross and the bitter waters turn sweet. How many of you is here this morning and you're full of bitter waters? God told me this property would be led, with, that would be filled with people full of bitter waters, but they would come to the foot of the cross and he would change their bitter waters sweet. That's what God told me. That's why he said there'll be 12 wells of water here. Let me tell you, I've seen God heal bitter waters. God can heal your bitter waters this morning. Tomorrow's life is a picture of bitter people. The circumstances and the conditions of life left her that way. It's not fair. She, she had legit reasons. She was angry. She was hurt. She was empty. She was broken. Sweetheart, life circumstances have left you bitter. I get it. But today, today. You can be healed of the bitter waters because of the cross, the cross, the cross. Thank God you're broken about yours. There's others under the sound of my voice. You're hardened in yours. 
the most dangerous place to be is to hold on to a right to be bitter. I'm speaking to me. The second, verse 5, And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Let me just say this back up about tomorrow, okay? Because I don't... Here's the beauty in tomorrow's life. Although her circumstances and conditions left her bitter and broken and angry, she gave birth to Perez and Zerah. Perez means breakthrough. They're in the lineage of Jesus. How beautiful is that? Is that not just beautiful? That Christ was still born through that lineage. Is that not beautiful? And listen, tomorrow's name means palm tree or date. A date is a fruit. That means that fruit would come out of her life despite the circumstances of that. You can be bitter here today, but God can still bring fruit out of your life when we allow God to have his way. Amen. Rahab. How many of you know who Rahab was? Rahab was just a prostitute. You mean God would choose a prostitute to be in the lineage of Jesus? Let me ask you this. Rahab, the only thing that she even knew about Jesus was what people had told her and what people said. She heard little stories about salvation. Rahab represents a people that have never known Christ at all, only heard about him. But life has left you lost. Life has left you destitute. Life has left you with a lack of love. And you've turned to many of the wrong people and places for love. You've looked for love in all the wrong places. This is the life that Rahab represents to the church. How many of us have a Rahab within us. There's been a lack of love in our life, and we've looked to the wrong places. We've turned to the wrong people, trying to fill a void. We never knew or had the opportunity to come to know this Jesus. But then all of a sudden, there's circumstances, boom, that just happened in my life. I love what Rahab said, and I love what they said in the book of Joshua. When they heard that the Lord had dried up. My God, Rahab heard what God had did. She began to have a fear of the Lord in that moment when she heard that the Lord had dried up. Aren't you thankful that God still does miracles and that out of miracles, people's hearts can begin to fail them and fear God because they hear what God is doing? Rahab began to take notice, maybe this is the God of Israel. And then they know that the spies are coming. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? What beauty were the two spies in Rahab's life? Rahab was lost until two spies showed up. I thank God that God in his grace and his mercy will send two spies to a prostitute's house. You wonder why somebody showed up on your front door? 
You never know. You wonder why God sent you to GFCC? You never know. Amen. I, I may have, all I've ever been is just a Rahab. Amen. I've been looking for love in all the wrong places. I've been a lack of love in my life. But then God sent somebody to that jailhouse. He sent three spies. Uh, uh, I said he sent three spies, amen. They're, they're, they were pastors at the time, amen. But they began to share the love of God and the grace of God in my life. I didn't really never have an opportunity but one time. I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't taught to go to the house of God. I'm not talking about my family whatsoever. We just didn't do that all down the lines. But let me tell you, when I got put in a situation when my back was against the wall and I had nowhere else to go, I thought about old Rahab. I was just a Rahab. But thank God for the spies that came by. And now I've got an opportunity to make things right with God. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the spies of grace? Rahab, a prostitute in the lineage of Jesus. How many of you have looked for love in the wrong places? How many of you have turned to the wrong places? to the wrong people at the wrong times. Huh, amen. Huh, my God, we're all got some rehab in us. But we're still here today in the same house, worshiping the same God. I said Jesus is going to find a way to be born. Even if it's got to come from the loins of a prostitute, Jesus Christ will find a way to be born. He will. Rahab represents a people that have never known Christ at all, only heard about him. But life's situations put you in a place to surrender. You know the beautiful thing about Rahab? God spared her life and the two spies. The only house that was saved. Can you imagine what grace? Everything else around you has fallen to pieces but a prostitute's. Everything's crumbling to the ground but a prostitute's house. Don't you imagine all the goody-two-shoes was looking at Rahab's house? <laughs> Said, you mean to tell me her house is standing? Why is her house standing? I've been a lot better than her. <laughs> hey, she slept with my husband. And you mean to tell me that her house is still standing? What they didn't know was now she may have done that then. But now there's a scarlet thread hanging out the window. She slept with so-and-so. She slept. They're nailing her to a cross. But what they didn't see was the scarlet thread hanging out the window. They didn't see the blood. Let me tell you, when the blood is upon the doorpost of your house, when the blood is hanging out the window of your house, I don't care who you slept with. I don't care what you once was. I don't care if, they, if the world knows you as a prostitute, if the world knows you as a drug addict, if the world knows you as an abuser. Let me tell you, everybody else's world will be crumbling and falling down to the ground. People's going to look back. Old Jericho, everything fell to pieces. There's one house standing. You know whose house it was? It was Rahab the harlot. I'm thankful that today the world may be falling down around me. Hey, but old Jared's house is standing. He was a drug addict. He did this. He did that. Oh, but the blood, but the blood, I said, but the blood is hanging out of his house. You see that?
to seize the blood. Whoa. You see what all I did wrong. Jesus sees the blood. That's why I stand. That's why we stand. You mean to tell me that in the lineage of Jesus that Matthew would break the law and put Rahab in there, a harlot? That's exactly what I'm saying. Matthew would break the law to stand up for a prostitute. Jesus will be born. <laughs> I said, Jesus will be born. Jesus will live. <laughs> he will. <laughs> he will. Everybody else falling down with the scarlet thread. <laughs> when the death angel saw the blood, he had to pass on by. Joshua 6.25, Rahab's house stood. Everything else around her crumbled and fell to the ground. <laughs> you know what that scarlet thread was pointing to? <laughs> Bethlehem. That baby in a manger. <laughs> Golgotha. That Jesus on the cross. <laughs> you mean to tell me? Jesus was in the old, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And Matthew thought it enough to bring her to the new. <laughs> a prostitute, a woman that looked for love in the wrong places, a woman that was the center of all sinners. Rahab, my God, listen to me. Rahab's name means to make wide, to make large, or to make room. She made room for two spies that if a prostitute did not open up her house, they'd be dead. <laughs> be careful who you judge because it just may be the prostitute that makes room for your life. It may just be a Rahab that makes room for your life to be spared when everything falls down around you. You better not judge somebody by the season that they're in right now because you may see them as a Rahab. Oh, but God sees the scarlet thread. Are you hearing me? Her name means to make room. Amen. I'm telling you, she made room for them spies. And let me tell you, God made room for her to be placed in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You be careful. <laughs> Woo. Rahab gave birth to a son named who? Anybody know? Are you with me? <laughs> Let's look to the genealogy. <laughs> Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. <laughs> Rahab gave birth. Now listen to me. The third woman that's in this lineage is Ruth. Ruth's name, let me just say this just very quickly. Ruth represents a people that have suffered loss 
death, and divorce. Circumstances of life are totally against you. You feel separated and you feel different. She was under a Moabite curse, a widow and poor. But the grace of God still was upon her life. So I wonder how many of us today are being robbed from the season in our life because of the conditions, the reproach that's upon your life, because of the circumstances that led you to this place have made you feel as Ruth did. Ruth is the third woman in the lineage or the genealogy of Christ. Ruth's name means companion, friend, or vision of beauty. She had a vision of beauty, didn't she? What does she say to Naomi? Wherever you go, I'll go. She had a vision of beauty. Where would that vision of beauty lead her to? Now listen, in the midst of all of this, she was under the Moabite curse, but she still had a vision of beauty. She was, she was a widow. She was poor. But what does she do? She had a vision of beauty within her heart. And what does she tell Naomi that was her friend? She was given the opportunity to walk away as her friend did. But what did Ruth continue to do? I'm going to follow the vision of beauty. She told Naomi what? Some of you said it. Wherever you go, I'll go. Your God will become my God. And so Ruth had a vision of beauty on the inside of her heart. Listen to me. I believe one of the most dangerous places that we can do is allow life circumstances, conditions, and situations to remove the vision of beauty out of your life. Some of you have lost your vision. Without vision, people perish. God has given you dreams and visions of what your life would entail. And be. But because you have perhaps maybe lost some things in your life, because maybe you have suffered loss, people in your life, and you felt like whenever they died or passed on, you felt like your life was over. We can't live our life through other people. You felt like because maybe a divorce happened in your life, people begin to rebuke you now and say, You cannot be used of God. Because you are widowed now, you cannot be to the full potential of what God desires for you to be. But there was a son that had been born, and his name was Boaz. (laughs) Boaz's name means strength is within him. My God. (laughs) Do you think that God knew the whole time? That there was strength within Boaz and there was weakness within Ruth. That Ruth felt like maybe perhaps would I ever find my Boaz or should I just walk away? You think she ever got weary and wore out anybody? I'll guarantee you life circumstances and situations left her broken in despair depressed, but there was a vision on the inside of her that she said, I just cannot get this out of me. 
So Naomi, I choose to follow you. Wherever you go, I'll go. And your God will become my God. Now, I'm not going to allow what's on the outside of me determine what the vision of beauty is on the inside of me. I can promise you the words to Naomi came from within the vision of beauty. They did not and could not come from the circumstances or the conditions of what she had lost or where she had been. Are you with me? So many times we think that our future is determined on our past. And our future is not determined by our past. Our future and our present is not determined by the conditions or the circumstances of what we've lost, who we've lost. If somebody, if I've been through a divorce, that does not determine the final say. There was a vision of beauty on the inside of Ruth. And Ruth said to Naomi, I'll go wherever you go and your God will become my God. And so she just trusted God with her life. You know what she did? She just surrendered her life to Naomi and said, Naomi, I'm going to follow you. And Naomi walked with God. Naomi is a beautiful type of the grace of God. Isn't that what grace does? Because listen to me, there is no other way that I could get to Boaz without grace. There is no way if life circumstances have left me, I'm poor, I'm widowed, I'm broken. People went separate ways. There's no way that I could just continue to follow God but by the grace of God. And so I just surrender my life to somebody greater than me. I just surrender my life to the grace of God and I say, I'm going to follow you. I'll go wherever you go. Your God will become my God. There's a vision on the inside of me. I'm going to follow that. Ruth represents a people that have suffered loss. Some of you are here today and you've suffered some loss. You've suffered death. You've suffered divorce. The circumstances of life, again, are against you. You feel separated and different. She was under a Moabite curse. She was a widow and poor. She totally felt like an outcast. But there was something greater on the inside of her than all of that on the outside. You may be here today, and you may be totally different. You may be totally different. But guess what? There's still a beautiful vision on the inside of you, and it matters. It matters. Ruth's life mattered. She was a companion and a friend. You may only be a friend. You may never be her. You can just be a friend of somebody. Can I tell you, that's one of the greatest things in life to be is a companion and friend. So many times because we're different, our calling's different, our vision's different, we think, you know what, well, I really don't matter in the body. I don't sing, I don't speak, I don't preach, I don't do any of that. Can I tell you, one of the greatest things you can be is a companion and a friend. What did Jesus say? He said in John 15, greater love hath no man than this than a friend that laid down his life for his brothers. Sometimes you just need somebody that will lay their life down for you. They're just a friend. They don't even have to open their mouth and say a word. They're just a friend. And they're laying their life down constantly for you. That makes more of an impact in the kingdom of God than anything, than any sermon ever could. Your life matters. Your vision matters. Your vision is beautiful. Somebody say, my vision is beautiful. 
Ruth's vision was beautiful. Here we have Ruth that fell all of these ways, the third woman. The third woman. What does three mean? Resurrection. Something was about to be born out of her. Obed. Obed means serving and worshiping. Something was about to be resurrected. We're about to worship. Anybody know who Obed became? The father of who? Jesse. Where would David be born? From Jesse. (laughs) Something's about to be born. Something's about to be resurrected. Wouldn't the enemy just love for us to get in the situations as Ruth? And because I've considered, my circumstances has brought loss, has brought death, has brought divorce, the circumstances of life. Wouldn't the enemy just want me to stop right there? But God said, I'm fixing to do something now. I'm fixing to bring resurrection. You're fixing to worship. You're about to give birth to a son, and his name will be Obed. And out of Obed will come Jesse, and out of Jesse will come the king. Resurrection began to happen. And then we have in verse 6 where David was with Bathsheba. Bathsheba represents the people who love God. Now listen to me very closely. Bathsheba represents people who love God, but life circumstances and people in your life have drawn you away and drawn you into compromising situations. I need to say that again. Bathsheba is a representation of people who are in church. You love God, and you're just minding your own business. But then all of a sudden, this beautiful, this handsome king comes into your life and he draws you away. Now this king was not where he was supposed to be. And so Bathsheba represents this type of people that are under the sound of my voice this morning. But some handsome or some beautiful person has came in your life and enticed you to walk out of the will of God and come to my house. Because that's exactly what David did. So there are many in the church that are this type of person. Somebody, a King David, comes to you. Surely they're right with God. Surely this is okay. No, there were many things wrong with this situation. David was not where he was supposed to be. Bathsheba was minding her own business. But all of a sudden, but I wonder, was she? She's there. David sees her. And now David goes to her. How many of us are being lured away from the sensitivity of the Holy Ghost? How many of us are being lured away because maybe your walk with God is a little more too radical than somebody else's, and so they're trying to bring you out of that and just calm you down a little bit. Bathsheba represents these people that love God. They want to serve God. But we have been drawn away and drawn into compromising situations by certain people that are in our lives. We must be very, very careful from these people that are in our life because the enemy will always send somebody to lure you away from the presence and the power and the purpose of God. 
Your phones can lead you to compromising situations out of the will of God. All of a sudden, whoops, I just saw a Bathsheba. Now King David had to make up his mind, well, don't go pursue her. But can I tell you the good news is Jesus will still be born. If you have been lured away this morning, if you have been drawn out and drawn into compromising situations by people in your life, can I tell you this morning that Jesus will still be born? Will he be born through your compromise? I can tell you what he'll do. He'll get your heart right. Because we read that last Sunday, did we not? That before... It was Uriah's wife. But when God came again, he said, Now, David, go into Bathsheba, who is now your wife. And so now because David went back to his wife, who is now Bathsheba, not Uriah's wife, they gave birth to a son, and his name was Solomon. And Solomon is in the lineage of Jesus. Brother Russell, you want to come? So listen to me. I'm going to just back up and replay this. Tamar represents people that are bitter with the circumstances of life. You've grown angry, and you've got worse instead of better. Rahab represents a people that have never known Christ at all, only heard about him. You have given into and looked to other places, other people, to feel the emptiness that is in your life. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth represents a people that have suffered loss, death, and divorce. Circumstances of life are definitely heavy upon you and against you. You feel separated and you feel different because she was under a Moabite curse. She was a widow and very poor. Bathsheba represents a people that love God but that have been drawn away and drawn into compromising situations by people or influences in their life. But Jesus was still born. And last but not least, verse 16, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was born, and whom was born Jesus, whom is called Christ. Now listen to me. We've talked about four negative women that have done bad things. This fifth woman had never done anything wrong. This fifth woman, the mother of Jesus. That's that's enough said right there, isn't it? The mother of Jesus. She represents people that are pure from childhood, that have stayed pure from childhood that have stayed on track, that have been in church, that have never done wrong. But can I tell you this morning, Jesus still had to be born. And a lot of times, this fifth woman put down the other four women. And Jesus had not been born. No matter how pure, no matter how undefiled, no matter how good, No matter all the good that you've done, Jesus must be born. 
Five women in the genealogy of Jesus. Five is the number of grace. Listen to me. No matter the circumstances and situations, we must allow Jesus to be born and to live through our lives. Jesus will be born. He will. He will live. Will it be in you? Thank you, Jesus.